Pharmaceutical Technology presents the Drug Solutions Podcast, where the editors will chat with industry experts from across the pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical supply chain. Join us as experts share insights into your biggest questions, from the technologies to strategies to regulations related to the development and manufacture of drug products. This is the Drug Solutions Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. Today's instalment will focus on how contract research organisations adapt themselves in the ever-changing landscape of cell and gene therapies. This episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast is sponsored by Baxter Biopharma Solutions. With over 90 years of experience, Biopharma Solutions, a business unit of Baxter, partners with pharmaceutical companies to support their commercialization objectives by providing scientific expertise, sterile contract manufacturing solutions, and customized support services needed to meet the unique challenges that parenteral products face. I'm Felicity Thomas, Senior Editor Europe for Pharmaceutical Technology, Pharmaceutical Technology Europe, and BioPharm International. In this episode, I will be speaking with Rhonda Henry, President of EMIS Biopharma Group, and Adam Mendezabel, Vice President and Director of EMIS Cell and Gene Therapy Centre. Rhonda holds a BS in Nursing from the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and joined EMIS with 30 years of clinical research experience, holding a number of leadership positions in clinical operations, patient centricity and strategic partnerships at PPD. Before her entry into clinical research, Rhonda served as a nurse at New Hanover Regional Medical Centre. In 2020, she was named to the Pharma Voice 100 list of most inspiring people working in the life sciences industry, and she has been active in a number of non-profit organisations. Adam joined EMIS in 2002 and has progressively increased responsibilities from a biostatistician and senior investigator to his current role leading the expansion and of the cell and gene therapy clinical trial portfolio. During his time at EMIS, Adam has co-authored publications across different therapeutic areas that have focused on cell and gene therapies. He received his bachelor's degree in biological sciences from Rutgers College in 2000, a master's degree in statistics from Rutgers University in 2002, and a PhD in epidemiology from the George Washington University in 2014. For our discussion, Rhonda, Adam and I will look at the role that contract research organisations play in cell and gene therapy development highlighting key factors and solutions driving growth in the CRO market with a particular emphasis on cell and gene therapies entering development pipelines. We'll also address some of the challenges facing the industry. So thanks very much for joining me today. I have Rhonda and Adam here with me. Um, first of all, could you provide some insight into the key factors that are driving growth in the contract research organization, CRO sector in general? Sure, I'd be happy to take that question. 
There's a growing patient population globally and the demand for new and or better treatments is higher than it's ever been. Biopharmaceutical R&D pipelines are robust and there's lots of funding out there uh, through a variety of sources as evidenced by more than 440,000 active clinical trials according to clintrials.gov. On the other hand, we have a very tight labor market. The entire drug development ecosystem is competing for skilled resources. CROs traditionally have been very effective at hiring large numbers of individuals each year, providing training, and effectively utilizing our staff to support our clients. Since CROs work with a number of biopharmaceutical companies at any given time, we build subject matter expertise across multiple therapeutic areas. To put that in perspective, Emmis is actively supporting more than 200 protocols right now across a variety of therapeutic areas, but our core indications are vaccines, infectious diseases, rare diseases, neurosciences, ophthalmology, and cell and gene therapy. Many of the biopharmaceutical sponsors we work with are conducting less than three trials at any given time. So you can see that leveraging Emmis's subject matter expertise is much more efficient and cost-effective for our sponsors than for them to go out and hire staff on their own. Contrast that with the larger CROs who conduct thousands of trials a year. And you can see again, that it just makes good sense to work with CRO therapeutic area expertise versus trying to hire the same type of therapeutic expertise in, your own, in, a, in a biopharmaceutical organization. You mentioned there about the advanced therapies, the cell and gene therapies. These types of complex therapies are gaining significant interest within the industry overall. Um, we're seeing more and more of them entering the development pipeline. Is this industry trend also proving to be important for CROs? Yeah, hey, Felicity, I'll, I'll take this. This is Adam. Uh, we're at an exciting time as therapeutic targets for both cell and gene therapies continue to evolve. Uh, over the last 20 years, uh, we've seen that knowledge and technology has allowed us to expand into many different indications. Uh, what was once an area focused on blood and marrow disorders can now be seen in, an, in probably every single therapeutic area uh, using cell and gene therapies for oncology, hematology, ophthalmology, cardiology, along with neurological targets and not to mention a major focus on rare diseases. So while this is an exciting time uh, to address important questions, the diversity of indications is a challenge for uh, many CROs to try to efficiently manage. Uh, studies in cell and gene therapy have a common factor that the intervention is very complex, but it also has varied outcomes. For example, managing a gene therapy study in ophthalmology is very different from managing a gene therapy study in, in patients with sickle cell disease. While the process of taking cells from a patient, going through some gene editing process and then reintroduction of the product to the patient follow similar pathways, that's where the similarities uh, start to end. There's a lot of different factors and differences by therapeutic area, such as uh, how, how to get the product into the participant. So either an infusion or a direct injection uh, outcomes are very different. You know, you have outcomes that are um, for different therapeutic areas that that vary, and and then the safety and efficacy signals are also very different. So to to address that, while it's an exciting time, uh, a lot of MS and along with other CROs have identified the need to standardize 
study operations by creating these centers uh, for cell and gene therapy or institutes. And this allows CROs to bring experts across therapeutic areas together who would otherwise be working in silos. And this allows everybody to work under this common framework so that we can leverage knowledge and skills and apply them in a, an efficient way to uh, various therapeutic areas. Are there any other industry trends that will significantly affect CROs in the near future? Well, going back to my original statement about the number of clinical trials, uh, which have dramatically increased over the past 10 years and, and every indication would uh, lead you to believe that they'll continue to uh, increase. Um, one of the, the challenges or industry trends that will continue are um, the ability to access qualified investigative sites and more importantly, patients or subjects for clinical trials. It remains the most one of the most challenging and important factors in clinical research. The industry, as I see it, will continue to look for ways to improve subject or patient participation in clinical trials. Many of these efforts include broader use of real-world data, like electronic medical records, prescription and payer data, to design better protocols to support accelerated enrollment or augment clinical trial enrollment by using synthetic control arms, and that's just to name a few. Uh, another trend that will continue is the emphasis, and rightfully so, on diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. We must ensure access for all, as well as ensure that clinical trial data is representative of the end user. Innovative technologies continues to be an important trend. Many of the strategies, these strategies that I've, I've referenced require use of innovative technology to implement. This is another growing area of focus, exploring technology to make clinical trials more efficient. Advantage Clinical is just one example. Uh, MS has, uh, 20 years ago, invested in developing our own EDC platform, Advantage Clinical. And this CDC platform has a, a, a <clears throat> slick user interface, a more competitive price point, but even more importantly, it's very versatile and integrates with uh, a variety of technologies in order to support a clinical trial conduct, the conduct of a clinical trial. Another example of an innovative technology that speaks to the need to better support patients uh, is our Deshane's video assessment developed by Casimir. This is a mobile technology that allows parents to videotape their children with Duchesne's uh, performing activities of daily living with the intent to develop a, a bespoke clinical outcomes assessment that has greater sensitivity than some of those being used as endpoints today. Attracting and retaining talent. Again, I mentioned a tight labor market previously, but this will remain uh, an area of focus for the industry going forward. COVID changed everything in the workforce. Many people reevaluated their priorities, resulting in the great resignation. Everyone continues to work in a remote setting, forcing companies to adapt to keep employees engaged. And that's just to name a few. Yeah, you mentioned there, obviously, the number of clinical trials has expanded quite significantly. Um, and also the talent pool is another potential issue. Are these issues, um, you know, the same for CROs working with cell and gene therapies? Or are there any other issues that are, um, you know, specific for CROs working with cell and gene therapies that, that will 
be important over the next 12 months? Yeah, so Felicity, I'll, I'll tackle that from the cell and gene therapy side. And, and I have to ag agree that the two biggest factors, issues coming up in the next uh, year and in, in the future years is tied to resourcing and sites and access to participants. Uh, the, the first one, resourcing specifically with respect to cell and gene therapies, is, is a major challenge because these therapies are very complex. It, it involves a multidisciplinary approach to manage, managing participants at, at a site. So having a knowledgeable and stable workforce uh, who understands the complexities from uh, collection of cells, the manu centralized manufacturing or local manufacturing, uh, is, is important from this, not only the CRO side, but also from the institutional side. So working with well-trained and knowledgeable staff and then retaining them uh, continues to be a, a challenge, uh, especially as new technologies uh, come up that are, are new and exciting. Um, you know, we see people who are very smart are looking to work with the, the new, uh, new cell therapy or new gene therapy. And so they may leave a sponsor or they may leave a CRO to go work in another program. And so it's important for a CRO to continue to engage all the staff from, from every single level, from the administrative group all the way up to the leaders so that we can have a consistent uh, institutional knowledge that we can help with our sponsors. You know, I, I've been working at MS for, for 20 years now and I'm proud of the fact that our retention rate is really high, especially within our cell and gene therapy center. And I attribute that to the fact that we have a very supportive and respectful culture that, you know, promotes individuals to look at, you know, opportunities within and, and empower them to take on new challenges within our, our cell and gene therapy. And so resourcing is, is one. The second part is resourcing at the site level, meaning sites are bombarded by uh, protocols and clinical trials. And so the competition for a specific study is, is important to understand uh, how to manage that. There's, multi, there's, there's a fixed amount of participants at each site and, and there's fixed amount of resources at each site to manage uh, protocols. So being able to have an idea and understanding of how the sites are working within uh, the various therapeutic areas is important from, from a CRO standpoint and, and a sponsor standpoint so that we have the best understanding of the capabilities at the site uh, and as well as the expertise at the site. Now, what's challenging from uh, the, the site perspective as well is, uh, as, as Rhonda mentioned, there's the great resignation, sites are losing staff as well and they're very limited resources. So one site that may be a stellar performer in the beginning of the year may lose a key individual and then would, would struggle at the end of the year. So having a CRO that has the knowledge and you know almost daily interactions with all the participating sites to, to try to anticipate uh, future challenges uh, remains to be important. And then specifically about cell and gene therapy uh, studies, sites and investigators, as well as the CRO staff, uh, need to be knowledgeable about uh, the specifics of uh, the, uh, the data that are coming in from participants in cell and gene therapy. Uh, there's known toxicities uh, from after certain therapies such as cytokine release syndrome or ICANS, also known as immune effector cell associated neurotoxicity syndrome. 
that needs to be constantly surveilled uh, for, for patients. And so having uh, the ability and knowledge to pick up on safety signals is, is critical. So being able to have a CRO that can train the staff as they, as they come and go, as well as having appropriate data collection uh, methods that have been tested over time and time again uh, is important. And then lastly, as the, as the, the competition for participants is, is high, having the appropriate tools to project uh, reasonable accrual rates and along with institutional ca capacity uh, is, is a major part of our feasibility process. A key aspect that um, you've both touched upon is obviously engagement um, with staff is really, really important. Are there any other measures that CROs and the wider industry actually should be taking to ensure that the limitations that we've mentioned, the fact that, you know, the talent pool is a bit narrow and there's potentially limited capacity and things like that. Are there any measures that they, they you know, should be taking to overcome these potential limitations? Adam, I can, I can take a start on that and would invite you to chime in. Um, from my perspective, uh, and emesis, we, we will continue to invest in our workforce to attract and retain the right talent. Emmis has partnered with universities, community colleges, and professional organizations to onboard and train individuals to be clinical research, clinical researchers. We also offer competitive benefits, unlimited approved leave, and part-time positions with benefits in an effort to attract and retain employees. We have to invest in technology and technology experts as well to be both innovative as well as consultative with our clients. There's a lot of technology options out there. At the end of the day, you need to have a, te a technology roadmap that ensures technology investments are synergistic, scalable, and integrate well with each other, as well as with your business and other key stakeholders like sites, patients, and clients. Adam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'll, I'll add on to what Rhonda had had stated and, and state that timing is everything from my perspective. And so timing of enrollment, uh, real-time safety surveillance, making conclusions at the time of uh, interim analyses are, are, are critical. And so the quicker we can make a decision, the more likely we can impact lives of patients that we're committed to. Every day, we're one step closer, but we also lose countless individuals. So being able to answer questions in a timely manner uh, is critical. So seeing the industry work together to address questions as a whole and not separately would be remarkable. You know, we, we see certain uh, consortiums and groups working together to address uh, questions as, as a whole. And I'd like to see more innovation in those strategies so that we can have, uh, again, innovative uh, study design uh, centralized data collection, centralized uh, surveillance, and uh, and that way we can get uh, products to the market in in a faster uh, time frame. You know, I'm, I have a personal story where I have a good friend who was diagnosed with gastroesophageal cancer about a year ago, and she was uh, put on a, a treatment regimen that was only approved by the FDA one year before her diagnosis, and, and it was approved during an interim analysis. Uh, that was pre-planned. So because the study team was able to have a innovative way of coming to a conclusion faster, uh, a good friend of mine was able to get a treat, immunotherapy treatment uh, and she's doing amazing uh, almost a year later. And so that's an example 
of where timing is critical of, of addressing questions. And so as I see uh, where we're going as a wider industry, uh, making sure that we're keeping an eye on doing clinical trials in the most efficient and rigorous way possible so that we can provide uh, answers to the, the patients and then you know, change standard of care. That's great. Thanks ever so much for taking the time to talk to me today. It's been really insightful and interesting to chat about uh, the issues and, and industry trends that are impacting CROs. Thanks, Felicity. This was a, a fun a fun chat with you and Rhonda, and I appreciate uh, both of your time uh, today to talk. Thank you as well. If you are interested in this topic and would like to learn more, please do take a look at our recent article, CROs Gaining a Competitive Edge, which was featured in the February Pharmaceutical Technology eBook, available now on the PharmTech website. Also, further information can be found on Emmy's website at emmys.com. you to our editors and experts for sharing their insights. Stay tuned for future episodes of the Drug Solutions Podcast with the Pharmaceutical Technology Editors. If you want to stay in touch with the Pharmaceutical Technology team, subscribe to this podcast as well as to our e-newsletters. When you sign up for our newsletters, you will be updated about future episodes of Drug Solutions, receive our magazines, learn about upcoming webinars and hear about episodes of Drug Digest. Thanks to everyone for joining us for this episode of the Drug Solutions Podcast. <laughs>